Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Triton Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler McKenzie, and today we'll be doing an E3 exclusive podcast. And um, so let's go around and have everybody have everybody introduce themselves. Uh, we have, we'll start with uh, Ben. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, give everybody a brief rundown of who you are, what you do? Yo, what's up? I'm Ben. I work actually as an overall for the collegiate gaming uh, at TESPA. Can you see uh, that you again? Find... I, think you, I think you cut out. Oh, it was that? I work as an Overwatch admin for uh, Collegiate Gaming at TESPA. Uh, you can find me at Twitter at Such Karma. I tweet a lot about esports and mostly about K pop. Dope. All right. Freddie, you want to go next? I'm Freddie. I am a Triton Gaming. I was the. I was, because I graduated, Triton Gaming Officer. Did melee stuff, and now here I am talking about all the games that came out on E3. And Mina? Hello, my name is Mina, and I was a part of the OGTG crew, and most recently was the vice president for the past two years until I just graduated this year, and I currently work at Riot. And last but not least, Roxanne. Hi, I'm Roxanne. Um, I used to do social media management for TG, um, and since then I have been an intern, long-term intern, pretty much part-time employee at Daybreak Games in the marketing community side. Cool. Well, welcome everybody to the TG podcast. So we're just going to go down each of the presentations and kind of talk about what went on for each of the big companies. I have EA, Microsoft, Bethesda, Sony, and Nintendo written down here. So we'll start in chronological order with EA. So at EA, they talked about um, Battlefield 1, and uh, that was a pretty popular game that came out last year. And the first piece of juicy, juicy drama is the women in Battlefield 1 in the expansion In the Name of the Tsar. I don't know if any of you heard of if any of you heard about this, but basically what happened is there's a part of the DLC is you get to play as a Russian task force in World War One that did include women, but DICE was pretty hesitant about including this at first, so I just wanted to open the floor to you guys and see what your thoughts on this were and kind of um, was this hesitance like viable in DICE's standpoint or is this something that's getting pushed too hard or... Um, like, is this a valid part of an expansion? Or is this something that deserves as much attention as it got? So whoever wants to start first can go. So I think the first thing that needs to be stated is that this isn't some fictional uh, woman's battalion. Um, the, the context is is you're the DLCs in Russia and in World War One, there was an actual thing called the Woman's Battalion of Death. And it was kind of a moral thing. Like, they used it for reasons a last-ditch effort to inspire the mass of war-weary soldiers as it says on wikipedia i was looking it up so it's like it's an actual thing this isn't just something that was made and they they did fight in world war one and did you know i'm not sure of the success because it is like um it's hard to you know gauge like that historical thing but you know they're not just making something up to you know, shoehorn women into the game. This is a real, like, this actually happened. They did fight. They did kill. They did die. Yeah, I think... Um... Oh, go, go ahead, Freddy. Sorry. I mean, yeah, just, it happened. Like, why would they not... Like, they already caught a lot of flack for not having, like, all of France in Battlefield 1, even though they were, like, 
won half of the fronts in World War One. So I feel like, and they they still caught flack for not having Russia in the beginning also. So I feel like they just have to do whatever they can to be more truthful to the source material. Right, uh, Mina, Roxanne, do you guys have anything? Um, I mean, it's always hard to like comment on something like that being a female. <laughs> But, I mean, I think it's good in, like, more than one way. I don't really know why they would get so much flack. um, Because, first of all, they were hesitant to include, like, women before as soldiers. And I just feel like this gives them a way to do that. Right. But um, like Ben said, the thing is, the the reason that it it was so conflicted is because people people were complaining that it it felt really forced because they were kind of like headlining the whole thing with being a uh, being a highlight of the expansion. So that's kind of what people were complaining about. Like, if you're going to include it, don't make a big deal about it kind of thing. Like, if it happened, it happened. I don't know. That's kind of the sentiment that was towards this particular part of the expansion. But. It wasn't so much that it's being included, it was just that, like, oh, you don't have to make this, like, the big headlining thing, you know? I mean, I think it's still fine to make it kind of a headlining thing, because, like, honestly, at the end of the day, it's a video game, and it's a big, like, character customization thing. Like, that's pretty cool, (laughs) in my opinion. Okay, so moving on to the next part of EA's presentation. They did, they always do a lot of stuff on sports games, which is... For I think I can speak for all of us saying that we're not very avid sports games players. I mean, maybe me more so because I was like a COD god back in the day, like 12-year-old squeaker white boy. But like, um, for the most part, uh, I don't know a lot of people that I'm close with that play sports games, but uh, they keep doing a lot of things. <coughs> you have games like FIFA and you have games like uh, Madden where uh, they're adding stories to the sports games. Uh, so do you think this is the right direction to take sports games in? And do you think this is an attempt to keep people interested that are already playing it? Or are they trying to grab more people to play their games? I mean, sports games are sports games. At the end of the day, uh, EA makes more money off their sports games because more people buy those games than they do buy like the crazy AAA releases we want them we want other people to buy right so yeah. whatever they can really do to like innovate in the sports game genre I mean like the the Madden gameplay has been pretty much perfected or like not perfected but like everyone knows how Madden gameplays right do you think this is just oh. like they know they're gonna sell stuff, so like they're just kind of doing whatever to change each game type thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think and I- that's like the thing with sports games every year at EA because it's such a huge, you know, chunk of their businesses. There's always those people on, you know, Reddit or whatever. They're like, "Ew, why are they always putting Madden on?" Like, I don't care about that. But then it's almost like sports gamers are this kind of different subsection of just gamers you know that is completely different from i guess you could say i don't want to say normal but you know (laughs) what what we are right which is the more i guess nerdy like we like we've gone to play rpgs or whatever or you know we're sitting playing cod all day or something like that right there's not as much crossover and i think that's where a lot of that that complaints are is that the the gamers who are usually watching e3 aren't the ones who are there for the sports games. That's true. I would like to actually like 
dig deeper into the reaction of the people that actually primarily play the sports games that EA produces, because if that's the direction, the direction they're taking it, because that is what they feel like their core audience values and wants, then great. But if it's just to cater to the broader audience, then that's probably not a good idea. I mean, yeah, go go ahead, Chandler. No, I mean, no, no, you can you, continue. I was, I it's just like, for me, I felt like the stories were to try and broaden the audience a little bit because when I was watching the Madden one, like, I watch NFL a lot, and it's cool, but I've never picked up a Madden game before because I really haven't that much interest in, in just playing it. But I was watching the story, I'm like, hey, this, you know, if this is actually kind of like a good story, kind of maybe something along the lines of, you know, Friday Night Lights or something, maybe that's a little bit more interesting to me as someone who likes the narrative, you know, and it's just, uh, it might entice someone else. And, you know, while sports games is huge for EA, you can never, you know, deny more money, right? And that's what EA is trying to, you know, if they grow their audience to get more money, that makes everything right. better it's, for them. It's, it's kind of one of those things that's like, it's not going to hurt if they, you know, try something weird out, you know? Like, they're always going to have the same people coming to their games, so they might as well see what they can do with something new, right? Yeah, and hopefully it doesn't turn away, you know, the current sports right. fans. Well, I mean, but... if they keep the, uh, you know, the basic, you know, career modes and then, like, multiplayer stuff and then add something weird, like story mode or whatever, it's going to be the same game with something extra added onto it, so. Um, okay, next, this was probably the biggest part of EA's uh, presentation was the Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um, which is essentially the actual release of an EA Star Wars <laughs> Battlefront. <laughs> basically, I mean, it confirmed basically from what I saw that it was that Battlefront, the first Battlefront was just a beta for this Battlefront. That's kind of how I felt. But um, they announced that there would be no paid DLC either, that all the DLC would be free for the game. But this kind of brought to question... Um, with this, does this mean there's going to be microtransactions, which wouldn't surprise me because it's EA. So um, I just wanted to know, just as a quick recap before we move on, or a quick thought before we move on to Microsoft, um, <laughs> what is EA going to do? What could EA do to mess this up? Because so far it does look pretty good. That's the bane <laughs> of everything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like... It looks good right now, but like if we know EA, there's there's always something, there's always a catch to everything, and no paid DLC and uh, a story mode that people have been asking for. It all sounds so good, but like, what could they do? I think it's microtransactions, to be honest. I mean, it's I gonna be, be microtransactions. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. How they make their money? Yeah, I think it's. I don't know. Will it be? I don't want it to be as bad as like you get this like better gun that you like pay for. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, exactly. I don't I th think. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I don't think there's like a problem with microtransactions because at the end of the day, like these companies like kind of need to monetize their games, so it's fine. But yeah, I think when it's going to become a problem is if it doesn't. I know I said pay to win as like a joke, but honestly, if that ends up impacting a game like that, especially like like a multiplayer shooter, like, that's going to be real problematic. Yeah, it's pretty annoying. Um, I think we need to see more of, like, how the game's going to play out because from what we saw, I don't know if there was a hint at, like, any microtransactions or anything else being showed. It looked good, but, yeah, that was just a worry that I had that I wanted to 
get across. Okay, uh, moving on to the Microsoft presentation, which had a bunch of stuff. First, we're just going to start off with their uh, pretty much second iteration or third iteration, I can't remember, of the Xbox One, which is, they're calling it the Xbox One X. Oh, man. X. HD, 4K, 4K. <laughs> so this is what they're calling it. High and definition, 4K, most powerful console ever. I'm not going to list off the exact specs, but it's basically like a mid to low tier PC rig. It has much. 4K support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, Chandler, have we mentioned the 4K yet? <laughs> 911 4K 911. Yeah, so um what are your thoughts on this? Do you think people are going to buy into this? I think it's $500 the console itself on release later this year. Um do you think people are going to cuz I do think this is like going to be when it gets released this is going to be the best like in terms of pure specs console on the market by a long shot, right? Like when they were listing things off, you have to like see like oh like this is, it's significantly better than the PS4 Pro, which just got released last year as well. But um, do you think people, or the console gamer more specifically, is going to buy into this? Because like, to me, it feels like there's not enough incentive yet for people to actually upgrade to this. You know, eh, These like weird one-and-a-half consoles, as that's what I call them, because they're, they're basically the one-and-a-half of the, like, the generation. They're, like Only the people with an exorbitant amount of money are gonna buy them, right? The people that have like the actual 4K TV and like are super loyal to the brand. So they're basically, I feel like, just preaching to their own choir. You know, they're not gonna get like they're not gonna convince a million people to buy an Xbox if they haven't already bought an Xbox. Right, and I think I heard someone talk about um, how consoles are like with the PS4 Pro, and then you have. Um the xbox one s and then the xbox one x like it, it's becoming like, first of all like that's going to be so bad for parents like buying that in in, in december for christmas because they're not going to know yeah. what to get but um i think it's be, um it's becoming like iterative is what i said is the word i used earlier so it's kind of similar to how an iphone a new iphone comes out like every one to two years and a lot of people will just get a new iphone uh, every time a new one comes out so it's like and and even though even though the iphone itself is like not that much more impressive than the one before it so it's like is this where consoles are going do you think and like is this good or bad what does this mean i think microsoft's falling for this uh like the powerful console trap that has happened before and it reminds me a lot of the playstation 3 um, versus the Xbox 360. And I think the PlayStation 3 on release was a similar position as the Xbox X. It was by far the most powerful thing. It came out with its own like revolutionary processor, the cell processor. Right, right. You know, this is a processor that people built into supercomputers uh, with PlayStation 3s. Like this is, it was like, just like the Xbox X, just an amazing piece of hardware. But it clearly lost to uh, I mean, it had the, yeah, Xbox 360. It had the same price tag. Yeah, it was $600. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think the problem is console gamers don't care about the specs. Most of them, I don't think they care about the specs. They care about the games that are on the console and other things. You know, like the Wii, for example. Like the motion controls was really cool. Or the Switch. You know, you portability. PlayStation 4 has VR that's really accessible to people. And I think that's what console people go for. People who care about specs, they build their own PC. 
You know, right. it's much cheaper to do that. And I think that's the problem with the Xbox X, Xbox One X. <laughs> that they're like, oh, 4K, 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 but nobody cares if you don't have good games on your console in the first place. Right, and I think this is something. I think exclusivity is what they should have focused on more. Even though at the beginning of the, pre, uh, the presentation they said, on the Xbox One X we're gonna have 42 exclusive game or 42 games or whatever, 22 of them are Xbox One X exclusive or whatever. But then they started showing all these games, and they were all like weird indie games that no one's ever heard of, and people. And they weren't 4K, or yeah. like they didn't utilize 4K at and then like to the about, best. Like, Minecraft and 4K, and I'm just like, you guys, I I just don't think they understand how much of an advantage Sony has because of all their exclusive games that they can just pump out. Because we'll talk about it later, but Sony's presentation this year was just games, 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 games. Like, it was nothing but games. And, I mean, it still looked better than the Microsoft presentation did because that's all they needed to do. So, um, yeah. Uh, moving on to some of the games that were re revealed during the Microsoft conference. Uh, we had Metro Exodus. Uh, the preview of that was pretty cool. And, um... I haven't played any of the Metro games, so I can't really compare it, or I don't really have any insight. I feel like the trailer didn't show too much, um, but it was pretty interesting. Some people were saying that a lot of the other Metro games were in subway tunnels for most of the time, and then this one's kind of outside, so that was weird. I don't know if that's a legitimate thing. I haven't played Metro, but um, anybody have anything to say about Metro Exodus? Metro is probably one of the coolest series, because it's like... Almost completely, like, original based off, like, a book. And the book is, like, one of the most, uh... It's one of the most creative books in the whole, like, post-apocalyptic genre because basically everyone lives in subway tunnels and you trade, like, bullet Like, you trade bullets as currency so you can have, like, really shitty bullets uh, that you can shoot people with but your fights are going to be harder or you can use, like, the really good bullets but then you're literally shooting people with money. And a lot of the times, the games felt, like, so dark and, like, depressing and just, like, you're alone in this, like, super cold, hard world, like, just trying to survive. And I think going outside will probably give the series, like, the change of tone it kind of needs because you can only have so many dark, depressing games before, like, people get bored, you know? Because the, the last two games are pretty much the same, like, tonally. So... Um, anybody else? Metro? As someone who hasn't played Metro, Freddie said it all. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, I haven't played the series. <laughs> well, moving on to State of Decay, and this is something I think all of us can talk about, because this is just, it, it just looked like another zombie game to me. Some people were talking about it, but, um, it kind of wanted, I, it made me want to talk about zombie games as a genre. Um, we've seen a lot of zombie games in the past, you know, five years now, and... <laughs> The game genre is getting kind of old, in my opinion, and what do people have to do to keep you interested? Because what State of Decay looked like is the same formula that every other zombie game has now, where you just, you know, you have your squad of people, you build a base, you kill stuff, yada, 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 you know. So um, what do people have to do to keep you interested in this genre? And I kind of want to start with Roxanne, because I know... Uh, <laughs> I know Roxanne has something to say about this, considering where you come from, so go ahead. Yeah, of course. Um, I think, oh, uh, sorry, something just went off in the background, scared me. <laughs> I think a lot of the things with the zombie games is we get these games, and they come out in early access, and they look really awesome, 
it's stuck there. And like, I can point to my own company. I can point to literally, you can just go on Steam and look up zombie games. Like, it's not (laughs) a secret. Um, And you know, I feel like zombie games are something that people like really want to see be successful. It's just a matter of like someone finding the formula and completing it. So I think there's, I don't know. It's hard to say. But no, I think yeah, you're right in the sense that like certain zombie games do certain things really, really well. You know what I mean? So like, I feel like there hasn't been a game that kind of does it all. Right. So you have what? What's the game? Is it? It's not Dying Light, is it? Uh, yeah, Dying Light. Dying Light. Was Dying Light is good. Like hack and slash, like kill a bunch of crap. Like that's that's what that game is good at, right? And then you have um. I, I I have a soft spot for Daisy, even though it's been <laughs> alpha forever. But uh, Daisy, right? That has a good um, I don't know. That's got a good atmosphere to it, in my opinion, a good feel to it. And then I played. A, I actually, speaking of Daybreak, I did. I played a ton of the survival H1Z1 before it split into two games. Like I have. That's yeah. like I have like 200 hours or something on that, and I thought that did a good job of like. Um, I thought it did a good job of, like, loot and, like, finding cars and stuff. I thought it was really easy to get on a server with a bunch of people and, like, know you were going to find something. So, like, a lot of these games do a different, a bunch of different things really well. And I think, well, like you said, it's a matter of which which people wanting one game to do it all kind of thing. Yeah, I think until then, it's not that the zombie games are getting old. It's that <laughs> what happens with them is getting a little old. Like, even now, right, uh literally released to our test server yesterday we just like overhauled basically in the entire game because we felt like it was like getting stale been in early access for so long so we're trying a whole new thing with like bases and stuff so it's just like i feel like everyone's just kind of searching for like that one successful formula and i'll be stoked uh when whoever finds it because i think that genre has a ton of potential in kind of a lot of difficulty in getting there. Sure. Yeah, I agree. Anybody else? Anything? Yeah. Zombie games? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, just to speak to State of Decay itself, this is the second game and out of Undead Labs, uh, first State of, like the State of Decay series. And I played the first uh, primarily because I actually know one of the developers. Shout out to my boy Peter Lim. But um, I think State of Decay is actually kind of possibly be that game the the all-encompassing zombie game and i felt with the first one one of the things that a lot of zombie games lack is that tension of um you get bit you're done right and that's not conveyed a lot in a lot of games i or or um the whole communal aspect of working together you know you usually don't have one or the other i think state k puts them together very well um and I hope that, I mean, the first one had a, its problem. Uh, you know, it was a kind of buggy. It, the gameplay was just all right, but the, the thematics there were there, I think, for that that pure zombie game. And I think I I have hope uh, that the second one will be able to improve and, and be really good. All right, cool. Uh, moving on to backwards compatibility, which is an announcement they made uh, they said that the Xbox, with the release of the Xbox One X, they're going to start um, releasing original Xbox games on the Xbox Live Store, I think is what it was. So um, they didn't give too much detail on this, which is why I'm still a little skeptical about it. But I wanted to 
raise the question of why it takes Microsoft so long to consider this backwards compatibility. Like, what reasoning is there behind this being something that's so heavily requested by the community, but so heavily, um, I guess, uh, denied by by Microsoft themselves? Uh, I'll start again. Um, I think the problem is like a disconnect with Microsoft and the community and knowledge, I guess. My guess is that backwards compatibility games don't sell that much. Um, I wish I had the data to say, you know, put anything behind it, but that they really don't because these are games that existed already. You know, people played it or they have no interest because they want the newest and brightest game. They want the new Madden, the new COD or whatever. And so to devote a lot of resources to build an Xbox emulator, you know, might it just, they might, there's probably people that said, you know, we have projected that we'll make, you know, 1.5 million off backwards compatibility sales, but that might not be enough to justify, you know, maybe 2 million to put into building that emulator to de dedicate, you know, programmers to that when they could be building something that would sell much more. And that I think might be it where there's a really hardcore fanatic people who want to play those old games, but it's not enough for Microsoft. So it's kind of more work than it's worth type thing. Then. And that's just a theory. That's just my guess. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? Cause you're right. There is we, gamers get older, right? And then less people play. And then you have these new generations of people that aren't going to remember those games that they're probably catering to more, more anyways. So why even take time out of your you know work to cater to this small group of people when you have this large audience that really doesn't care that you can instead get more money from so that makes sense um so did you all watch the sea of thieves gameplay because this has been shown for two e3s in a row now um and it looks kind of interesting i don't want to spend too much time on it because we've already seen it once at last year's e3 but um it was kind of a quirky pirate game. Is there any comments on it? Because we can just um, something I noticed that I just saw today. Everything and there was an article about this I read. I think on Gamespot or Polygon or something. Um, but pretty much everything they demoed at E3 this year, I didn't really notice it last year to be honest. But pretty much everything this year was like, look at all this PvP stuff we do, um, both in the. Uh, conference itself and on the show floor uh i walked by the booth a couple times and they were showing off the pvp stuff but there's actually like a, gonna be a whole solo player component which like i wasn't even really aware <laughs> they were gonna have so i thought that was kind of interesting they, yeah, they didn't really highlight that i didn't mention yeah. it because for me i was like i will probably not play pvp on that game it looks pretty cool but like it's probably not really going to be my thing. Like, that's just not who I am. But, like, knowing that there's a solo, like, player, like, single-player campaign mode, I was like, wait, this might be something I'm interested. So I feel like they kind of... Are they, like, didn't even mention it. Yeah. That was just weird to me. I like we haven't seen all of what that game can do yet because, um, I don't know, the trailer and the gameplay preview they had with the narrator and stuff was... It was interesting, but it wasn't... Um, it felt like it was the whole game. I agree. Um, and then lastly, I want to talk about Anthem, which was 
released or which was uh, revealed at the Microsoft press conference. And this basically looks like a cross between the Division and Destiny type thing. So you have your mech suits that have special powers or whatever, and you go around and you grind. So um, any thoughts on this? Is this going to be like a rehash of Destiny or did this look new? Is this exciting? Uh, is anybody here particularly excited about what they saw? I mean, honestly, <laughs> no, that sounded bad for me. My honestly was different than Ben's, I think. A lot of my coworkers were really excited about it, but, like, I think people are might be labeling it a little bit too soon by calling it, like, oh, like, the, the next Destiny, just based off of what we saw. Like, I totally understand why that elements are coming from, but I kind of feel like they should, like, give it a chance to, like, be whatever it's going to be, you know? Right, yeah. I just feel bad. I was like, maybe this isn't the next destiny. I think this is cool. <laughs> I didn't make that association either. I thought I it just either. looked really nice and it had a very different setting and a tone um, compared to destiny. So it's more of a matter of fact, will we get exactly everything that they mentioned like straight up when purchasing the game? Or will it be a bunch of DLCs? Apparently it's like a game that has that EA has planned out for like has like a ten year roadmap yeah, or something like for it, either through sequels. Like yeah. <laughs> they ended either through sequels it, or so. DLC. Yeah, they ended their conference with it and they they pretty much introduced it as this big premiere of this really big project they've been working on. So clearly clearly this is something they have a lot of faith in. So I guess we should hold hold our doubts and see see how it looks uh I think later. My my reason why I go eh is like oh I don't think it's like Destiny. But it looks it's Bioware. Like, why are you making Bioware play a not do like a not storyline based game? They're amazing at that, and now they're putting it into this like you know fake okay, MMO kind of thing. Yeah. It's like that's not their strengths. Why why are you denying it? Now Bioware is going to be tied to this a, a decade now. Yeah. Um... All right, so moving on from the Microsoft conference, we're going to get to some juicy stuff, the Bethesda uh, press conference. And um, so first off, I think this is what most people were talking about, is the Skyrim overkill that we saw and we continue to see from Bethesda. This is a six-year-old game now, almost six-year-old game now. <laughs> and every E3, they have, they have something new to add to Skyrim that nobody really asked <sighs> for. Um, so this year it was it was Skyrim for the Switch and then VR Skyrim for uh, all pl all VR platforms. So um, I don't know what it, I I just want to know sentiments on this and any thoughts people might have on Bethesda pushing Skyrim so hard. Like what is the reasoning behind them doing this? Maybe or um, yeah, what are your thoughts on it? I honestly think it's because they're cheap and they don't <laughs> want to make a new game because. Skyrim, I'm sick of Skyrim. It's so old. And, like, even if you if you look at, like, the newer games like Fallout 4, Fallout, the engine that Fallout 4, like, runs on is the one that they used to make Quake 3 back, like, 10, 20 years ago. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's like a heavily modified Quake engine. And I think they're just trying to avoid, like, making, like, spending spending too much money. And it's getting really annoying. Like, I just want them to make another mainline 
mainline game. Um, speaking of annoying, they did also announce for Skyrim and Fallout the it's 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 paid mods. It's pretty much paid mods for um. There's like a content creation tool, and basically how it works is modders can create mods through this content through this creation tool, and then people can pay through a client to buy these mods for their games. So um, this is. I don't think this is good in no matter what light you put it in, um, because we learned quickly from when Steam tried to do this that this was a Steam. bad idea. Steam with Bethesda, yeah. so they're just they're trying it again. Yeah. So, um, why? What is the sentiment behind Bethesda doing this? Is this just greed again? Because I feel like they should have learned from the Steam fiasco. I don't know. Like, is this just them seeing if they can get away with this or what? I understand just... wanting to monetize mods, but like, it's too late. <laughs> like, you can't go backwards. Right. I feel like. Yeah. I, I think it's yeah the the I guess the pros of the the pros of monetizing mods is to support the modders themselves right so yeah um, that's kind of I don't know if that's what they're going for here because if they weren't I don't think they were clear on it I'm not sure but um, yeah that's the pros of it and then the cons of it are it's it's annoying and mods have been free for so long that like why why start now. Ben, did you have something to say about it? No, I was just going to point out, yeah, like, I don't agree with it, but there is a devil advocate that is, you know, you do technically support the modders, but you could also, you know, Bethesda also could do the do a Valve and then hire them, right? Because they make really good content, you know, hire them to make content for your game and then sell it that way, which is uh, pretty accepted, I would say, you know? Um, so... It's just like it's a mixed bag, really, and I agree with Roxanne. It, you know, especially since they're focusing on Skyrim, you know, or or you know, or older, you know, even newer games like Fallout Four. It's like it's it's we already have the mods, right? Yeah, I mean, especially for Skyrim, right? Like this, this is a game that people have been modding for almost six years now, so it's kind of confusing to me why they would start to try to do this. I don't know. It just, I don't, I don't know what they're doing, but. They're guess, making money, or yeah, trying to at least. Yeah, I, guess I mean, it's great. Every last drop. Yeah, it's great that they want to like support the modders and pay these people who put tons of time into it. And like, I don't know. The thing is, they're like already doing it. A lot of the people that make mods do it because they love it, and it's like a hobby for them. And like, I'm not saying it by any means that doesn't mean they should like make money off of it. But I don't think like on in this way. It, it leaves a bad taste, I think, is yeah. what I'm looking for. And lastly, I have for the Bethesda conference is the release of Wolfenstein 2, which is, or the pr premiere of Wolfenstein 2, um, and it was clearly their um, centerpiece of their presentation because um, they ended it with it. So, uh, this game looks pretty cool from the trailer. They spent a lot of time uh, with the uh, the trailer took up a lot of their presentation, so um, I thought that the the view that I had on Bethesda is that they've been saying, and it's not, it doesn't excuse the uh, the paid mods, like that came out of nowhere, but they've been saying for uh, the past year, ever since last year's E3, um, after Fallout 4, uh, they've been saying that 
they were not producing a new Fallout game or a new Elder Scrolls game. They were saying that before they even came to this E3. So, in my head, what I thought was, whatever they're making is going to be, you know, all of the sentiments and all of the hard work that would go into a new Elder Scrolls game or a new Fallout game, it, it, it's going into this new project. And this new project looks to be Wolfenstein 2. So, I... I was confused as to why people got so upset because Beth or Bethesda's been telling us for a while now that they were working on something else that was big, but um, it wasn't Elder Scrolls or Fallout. So is is um, I just kind of want to get your guys' feedback on the overall backlash towards Bethesda in regards to them not working on an Elder Scrolls or a Fallout game, and what do you think of Wolfenstein 2 and what you saw? Aren't they working on an Elder Scrolls game? Technically, don't they have ESO? I mean, I no, guess, I, yeah. I, I, know, I, just, I, I'm just pointing out. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it really comes down to people are stupid. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they, they get hyped up. They, they overhype. They're like, oh, you know, they must be hiding something. They must be hiding, you know, Elder Scrolls Six, and then you know they repeat No Man's Sky, right? And then it disappoints them when nothing comes out and. <coughs> it's it's you know i don't know <laughs> people overhyped it or if they or even tried to like create a story that's not there yeah i have to say though their wolfenstein games like the new the reboot of wolfenstein is pretty good i bought wolfenstein one so because good. of that trailer i've been enjoying it a lot i was like wow i expect, this, I expect this game to be good they're the best games to come out of Bethesda in, like, a long time. Yeah, I think the Wolfenstein 2 game is going to be really good. But, yeah. Uh, okay, moving on from Bethesda to the Sony press conference. Um, we had just a bunch of games get announced, pretty much. We had a new God of War, uh, Shadow of the Colossus remake. Um, I'm talking more specifically. Who, did any, who here played Shadow of the Colossus? I wrote a school essay on the Shadow of Cloth. Oh, okay, cool. So, um, <laughs> oh, what, wow. What are you specific? I guess this is more catered towards you then. What are you specifically looking for in a Shadow of the Colossus remake? Well, I think the interesting point is that they said it was a remake, not a remaster, I believe. So that means that they're doing something new with it. I feel like it's going to be almost a, not a remake, but a spiritual successor of sort and kind of a modernization. So I think it's going to be interesting to see where they take it, though I have a worrying feeling that people are going to cry that they ruined it. Yeah. Um, some people were saying, because this game, like, uh, graphically when it came out was pretty ridiculous too. I know people had, like, hardware issues with this because it was, uh, people, people would have frame drops and whatnot. Um, so there were some problems there, and then, of course, uh, some people say that there was some gameplay issues, like some stuff was clunky and whatnot. So um, I know people were talking about those being two areas that people that, that they could improve on. Um, the studio that does this, I'm not I forgot which one is doing with the remake, but they're known for doing the uh, doing really good HD remakes. Hang on, I'm looking it up right now. Awesome. It's not IO or whichever one that did. No, uh... it's not. It's not IO. It's not IO. Hmm, interesting. Uh, developer. Did anyone else play uh, Spirit Blue, or Shadow Blue of the Point, Colossus? Bluepoint Games. I did. Bluepoint. Hmm. 
Blue Point does a lot of remakes, and it's Team Ico. Team Ico. So I think Io is uh, that is Bethesda. So that's why I was. Missing. It's close enough. Ico. I'm only missing the C, right? <laughs> Pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Shadow Colossus remake. Um, God of War looked kind of interesting. They didn't. I, I didn't play God of War. I didn't play very many uh, Sony games, but uh, it looked different from the first one. Is what I saw. Is there any reason there was no Last of Us 2 presentation at all? Because they talked about that last year, right? And then they didn't show anything this year. So I thought that was kind of weird. No idea. Yeah. That, and then uh, the new Spider-Man game was kind of the big highlight. It's made by Insomniac, which are the same people that did Spyro and Ratchet and & Clank, including the new Ratchet & Clank remake for the PS4, which is apparently really good. So, <coughs> Thoughts on the Spider-Man game at all? Does this look good? Oh, the uh, Spider-Man game looks so good. Yeah, it looks really cool, and a lot of people are excited specifically because Insomniac's the one doing it. So, um, There was an old Spider-Man game for this Spider-Man 2. That was a really good game also. Yeah. But that was like years ago. Mm-hmm. You were young and back then, Chandler. <laughs> and then uh, for you, Freddy, the Monster Hunter World announcement on PlayStation <laughs> and uh, PC. It's coming that's, to both platforms. That's actually, like, super unheard of because, like, we've been trying to get a Monster Hunter game for the longest time on, like, the PC or, like, a PS4. And Capcom just, like, there's no market for it. Like, the people on the PS4 and, like, the PC and the Xbox. Like, even though they already have a game on the PC, it's called Monster Hunter Frontier, but it's an MMO. And it's, like, it's like an Asian MMO, so it's, like, really stupidly grindy for no fucking reason. So... I don't know. I'm really excited for it, and it's like it's probably gonna be really good because it's like a mainline Monster Hunter. It's like the same team that does all the Monster Hunter games. So, um, and then uh, one last thing in the Sony press conference because it was just a bunch of games, but I want to cater this towards Mina. Did you see the uh, Horizon Zero Dawn DLC that they're talking about? Because I know you like that game. Yes, I love Horizon. I wasn't able to actually see any of the DLC content yet, and I haven't looked into it, actually, so unfortunately I don't have much to say there. It's The DLC is called The Frozen Wilds, and, um, hang on, the webpage is taking forever to load, but, um, <laughs> dude, 4K is everywhere. They need to stop pushing this 4K. Yeah, oh my crap. god. It's so bad. Okay, um. Yeah, so I don't know. Time if they to go into the conference that everyone is wanting, oh, yeah, yeah, Chandler, yeah. right? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. One second. <laughs> We're almost done. Um, so, yeah, it just has a new area, a new story altogether, new machines to battle and stuff. And uh, enhanced for PS4 Pro with dynamic 4K gaming. Uh, so, that's, that's, all, that's all that is. Um, but, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I know a lot of people like that game, and I still. Need to play it. So. Like, really fast. Like, that game came out, I think, in March, mm-hmm. maybe? So, yeah, to add, like, a whole... Like, I was surprised, yeah. It's pretty impressive in itself. Yeah. Uh, and now, we'll move on to the main event. Uh, the Nintendo conference. I guess it was the Nintendo Spotlight, because they did... That's what, that's what they called it. So, um... They went crazy at the C3. They talked about 
Super Mario Odyssey, new two new platformers, Yoshi and Kirby, uh, Metroid Side Scroller on 3DS, a Rabbids and Mario XCOM game. <laughs> That's gonna be great. <laughs> and then um, a Metroid Prime 4 teaser. That was pretty. You mean the Metroid Prime 4 font? <laughs> yeah, the Metroid Prime 4 JPEG that they flashed on the screen for a couple seconds. Uh, new Zelda, two new Zelda DLCs. One of them coming out in eight days, actually, and then the other coming in, coming out in December. And then a bunch of third-party games on Switch. So uh, we'll start with Odyssey because that was kind of the the focus point of their presentation. Um, what are your guys' thoughts? I thought it looked really cool. I thought the gimmick in this one is really neat. I've never been interested in like playing a Mario game really, and I am now, so they did something right. Same. <laughs> yeah, also, so the trailer starts with the what's the giant T Rex, and then he turns around and has a Mario hat on. You're like, what? This is <laughs> this, is, pretty cool. this is tangentially related, but the song in that trailer was also like super catchy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I was yeah, like yeah. singing it in my office. It was just a really good presentation it was really interesting like the whole like i think what is it like the bowser peach wedding it's like oh there's like actually a point to this like maybe there's actually like a little more we're getting i don't know it's just really like an interesting new take to that whole like the whole mario like little world right and i i particularly like how they're branding it as uh, a game similar in style to super mario 64 and super mario sunshine because those are two my favorite games I've played, and uh, open world Mario games are dope, and it looks really cool. And each game always has some cool mechanic in it that always ends up being really fun. And the whole hat switching thing was really cool. Did you see the where you can like morph into the walls and it turns into two D Mario, the platformer? That was cool. That was so cool. I loved that. And then the bullet bills come out three D. I don't know. It's cool. Anybody else on Odyssey? I'm just ready for another game on my Switch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Same, I'm going to buy one now. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to get one soon too, actually, because I think the biggest worry for me was, uh, I know, Ben, you invested in the Switch. Like, I bought it out. pretty early yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the biggest worry for me was, are they going to have the games? Like, Are they going to be able to keep me captivated until Odyssey comes out? And is Odyssey going to be good? But Odyssey definitely looks good. And it's coming out really soon. It's coming out before November, which is crazy. Um, so that's really cool. And then we have the Yoshi platformer. Did you guys see that? It's kind of cool. He... Yeah, it's like it reminds me of Little Big Planet. Yeah, um, the, it's PS3. got a cutesy little cutesy little attitude to it, um, where he like ground. Or you can also like ground pound and like the screen switches. It's kind of cool. Uh, well, I get it. Probably not, but yeah. I think it'd be a really good like you know parent and and young child kind of game. You know, yeah. play along. So. That's, I think, what they're going for, and I think it'll be good for that. Yeah. Um, and then they have another Kirby platformer, which is kind of cool. That looks... They The thing is, is, like, even if you're not interested in, like, another platformer, they look super polished. Like, all the previews look really clean. All the games look really nice. So I thought that was cool to see all these crisp-looking games that are going to be on the Switch. Um, and it definitely um, satiated my worries that there would not be games leading up to Odyssey. And then finally they announced uh, <coughs> the Rabbids Mario XCOM game at the beginning. 
which is very interesting. I call it XCOM game because it's turn-based strategy, right? It is XCOM. It's, it's yeah, XCOM. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that looks really cool. I, I didn't know it. I thought it was going to be like a battle arena type thing when I first saw the leak. I, I had no idea. I was kind of skeptical, but then like everybody's attitudes changed when they saw it. They're like, wait, this looks so dope. So um, I thought it was really cool. Uh, and there was, of course, the picture of the developer for ubisoft like crying <laughs> when his game was getting revealed because he was so happy. <laughs> I saw was cool. that. Yeah. beyond good and beyond evil like, beyond good and evil i've been waiting for that shit for like god knows how long like at least 10 <laughs> 15 years. if it's like 15 years since the last game or 10 years i don't it's a ridiculous amount of time i've been waiting a long time for literally any news yeah we didn't even talk about ubisoft too i i honestly did a, you know a fantastic job and that was where you know they had rabbits fall far cry 5 beyond good and evil you know skull and bones there's so much stuff for them too yeah. um yeah beyond good and evil came out in 2003 by the way <laughs> so so oh my four, God. 14 I, years right i, I was yeah. pretty much yeah that's close cool and then um far cry 5 did i didn't catch that part of the presentation how did that look i, I heard it looked pretty cool actually yeah, I um I've been playing Far Cry Three and I was really enjoying. They announced Far Cry Five and I was like, well, they're doing it in in the U.S., but they're kind of doing it in Montana in kind of the backwoods area. So it's a kind of a I would feel a new environment for video games. We haven't really ever seen it, you know, out with in the, out in the boonies. Yeah. Yeah, like separatist, like super hyper religious cultists almost, and it's like it's kind of interesting, something new. Yeah, I mean, Far Cry kind of operates in those super, like, hostile, you know, environments, right? So I think that's pretty interesting take on uh, something different for the Far Cry games. So it's kind of cool. Um, and then I kind of want to go back to the Nintendo conference real quick because there's something I want to talk about that is – it's the Metroid Prime 4 uh, glimpse, I guess. It's not even a glimpse, really, but um, – this kind of brought up the question is, are people showing games too early? And is this like, is this bad for people to do? Because it said now in development for the Switch, which means they're not even close to being done. And then they also brought up the Pokemon RPG that they're making. I'm assuming it's going to be kind of like uh, Colosseum or uh, Gale of Darkness. So um, they brought both these things up and said they're in development, but then that, that's all we're hearing. And then you have, you know, Last of Us Two in the Sony conference not being mentioned. So is this a problem that's gonna that's gonna come back to bite them? Like, are people gonna lose hype because it's taking so long, or did they kind of just do this to um, to get people to shut up about it? Like, uh, is this a good idea to show games this early? I don't particularly think it's like a bad idea because then it gets on people's radars and it generates hype early and then it kind of falls off for a while and then it comes out again and everybody's like oh my god i've been waiting for this for so long but i personally hate it because i want these things now <laughs> yeah I, mean, I don't think it's a bad thing i think that's like a me thing and but that's part of it though they make you want it and you're like oh my god i'm gonna remember this and then when you see it come out news come out like over time it's like the most exciting thing ever Right, and I think it would have made sense to me if they actually didn't... Like, let's say the only thing they had until um, until October was 
Mario Odyssey and the Rabbids game, right? Like, let's say those are the only two games they had that were, like, of any interest to anyone until uh, leading up to the holiday season for this year. Um, then it would make sense for me to show that Prime 4 trailer, you know? Because they need to keep people interested in their new console, and they don't have immediate games at their disposal to keep people interested, right? But they have four decent-looking games leading up to um, the holiday season this year. So I just don't I don't know why they would even bother doing this because it just seems like I don't know maybe they're maybe it's something to promote longevity of the console I I'm not really sure why because it it kind of annoys me that they would just show the screen and and nothing else you know I guess it was just kind of like I don't know fan service maybe but um yeah I don't know it was kind of weird it's good to know that it's in production of course but I guess maybe that's what they wanted you to feel is that it's in production and that's it. I think they are, I mean, dates, release dates always change and stuff, but I think those games are slated for 2018. Even if it's late 2018, that's honestly not that long of a wait compared to a lot of the games we see get announced and then you're waiting like several more years. Uh, I don't think Nintendo's was like the worst in terms of announcing way too early. Uh, I think the main problem was they didn't have much to show. But if anyone can get it done by the end of next year, it's going to be Nintendo. And and one of the like biggest problems with the Nintendo Switch is the lack of games. And so this kind of sort of remedies, at least it tells people, you know, who are on the border of buying a Switch, it's like, well, I could buy it, but I don't really know what's going to come out. Well, now you know you're going to get Prime 4 eventually. You're eventually going to get a Pokemon game. So might as well buy it now, right? Yeah, and then going off the topic of there being uh, more games for the Switch, they they did talk about some third-party support for it. So, like, uh, Psyonix and Rocket League are working with Nintendo now to get it on the Switch, which is cool. That's actually really cool. That sounds fun. Um, and then, I mean, I'm not going to say it, but Skyrim, right? Uh, oh, I'm super excited to buy Skyrim for yeah, the third time, man. Yeah, me too, dude. Four <laughs> copies of Skyrim. I'm really wanting a fifth one right now. So please. Um, but yeah, I think it's cool to see Nintendo finally like reaching out because yeah. it's something they've needed to do for a long time, and I think it's safe for them to do this. But I also think it's really impressive that they have all these cool-looking games coming out before Odyssey, which is exactly what I wanted from their press conference. I mean, it's convinced me to get a Switch at some point in the future, which is all I wanted, so. I refuse to buy one until they announce the next Animal Crossing game. Oh, I just oh like I see. That's, like where, that you, that's where your allegiance lie. Yeah. I, just I just want to say that. I, I, I was refuse, upset. I refuse to buy one until, like, they are the games are out, you know? Because yeah. I already got shit on by the Wii U, and <laughs> I'm not letting Nintendo shit on me again. I paid three hundred bucks to buy, to play Breath of the Wild, and I think it's a it was a good investment. <laughs> I, see, I didn't like Breath of the Wild. You are uh, you're wrong, so it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I trust Nintendo. Some of these other like, if it was like a smaller developer, maybe not. But like, I, I don't know. I one thing we don't talk about that, but I, mean, I, I trust them to get it done yeah and one thing that was kind of weird to me at least was the two dlcs they did announce for zelda right um master trials and the champions ballad are the titles of them and uh 
I think the Master Trials is the one where the actual content you get from the DLC is not that impressive. There's like an outfit you get, and then like you can mark stuff on your map with the DLC. Um, and then there's I think there's more quest lines, obviously, but it's like some of the stuff included in it are kind of like questionable in terms of like should this just be stuff that you get for <coughs> or um is this like worth having a dlc for i don't know that was just something that i thought was kind of strange but uh yeah uh now i kind of want to talk about the event in general because we have uh, a couple people here who would know about running an event and being at the event so um more focused towards mina and roxanne um what are your thoughts, first of all, on opening E3 to the public? Because Oh, man. <laughs> this has been an event that um, has been closed off to the public until this year, right? This is the first yes. year they had Correct. you could purchase admission to E3. So what are your thoughts on this? Oh, Roxanne, were you at any of the previous E3s? Because this was my first time. I went last year. It was still ridiculously crowded, mm -hmm. but it was a different atmosphere. Um, I think open it to the public. Okay, I, I'll give a TLDR because on the train ride back, <laughs> my coworkers <laughs> and I had a very long conversation about this. Um, E3 needs to figure out what it is. They opened it to the public this year, but previously it was specifically an industry show, not a consumer show. And this year they changed it so late, all the booths were built for an industry show. Um, like the exhibitors were like too late, too far into the process to change anything. So the lines were bad, the traffic was bad. Roxanne, can you like- um, People are used for, to going. Just for people like listening, what is the difference between an exhibitor's event and an industry event? Like what would be the changes that a booth has- I mean, made? one thing was like what, one of my coworkers was saying is like you'd go to this industry event and you know, you know everyone there kind of gets it. They're involved some ways. Um, you're going through the same place. Well, consumers are like specifically there to like let's demo these products and purchase them. And then with the way the booths were built up, there wasn't very good line space. Yeah, absolutely. The floor was super crowded. You could hardly walk through. You couldn't, like, demos are, were kind of closed off, so you couldn't really, like, see the products. So that was, like, a little weird. Um, I think, if anything, they need to do it, like, like a Gamescom, where there's, like, day one is industry only, and then they open it to the public. I think that would yep. solve a whole lot of problems, like, right off the bat. I agree, and I think that's what they have to gear towards, because otherwise, what is the point, apart from the announcements, which everyone could be just happy watching broadcasted on, like, Twitch or something? Um, haven't been to an E3 in the past, but I've been to other cons and um, exhibitions like PAX and stuff. It really did not offer anything that PAX didn't, and PAX had more stuff, more games, uh, better line management, more things to just test out in a more, in a more timely manner. <laughs> so I didn't get to try anything the day that I was there, unless I wanted to invest two to three hours of my time standing in line to try anything. And quite frankly, it was boring. Like there really wasn't much to do things and stuff like that to take care of. Uh, it was very heavily retail based and consumer based. So 
like from what I've heard in past year compared to past years, there are just so much things for sale and people were buying them and yeah, the 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 event itself did re did not offer much at all in my opinion. So it was Again, I, I, so it, it kind of sounds like it's having uh, E3 itself is kind of having like an ad identity crisis. Almost. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. So I have two two comments on this to kind of show both sides. So for the part that's trying to be consumer based to the public, um, we came in Wednesday. We got there five minutes before it opened. Got on the floor. So it opened at ten a.m. ten fifteen a.m. The line to demo South Park was three hours long, fifteen minutes into the convention. So that's ridiculous. Sounds and then like on the other hand, here. you have, um, <laughs> yeah, it was disgusting. Um, you have these other companies that are still going with like the old E3 thing. So the Take Two, Take Two Interactive booth was completely closed off. Um, they had a space they set up. It was like black walls, said so Take Two on the side, and then they had some like fake like bushes around it because it was entirely for press and meetings, which is what. E3s have been a little like a little more like in the past, which if that's still the goal of E3, they had an awesome booth to do what they needed to do. But for consumers, they walk up or the public, people who buy passes, they walk up to take two and it's just this big black box they can't get into and can't see. I just feel like it was very like not public facing friendly yet. Right. It was a weird hybrid of stuff. Like people were a mess, <laughs> and not only that, like I think it took a toll on the exhibitors too because everyone was exhausted. It was really hard to have conversations with people and be genuinely like, you know, hey, I'm interested in your product. I'd like to try it. Sort of interaction because they were having to deal with so many people coming in, so many people that weren't industry related and just primarily consumers coming up to them. People were super tired <laughs> by like the first half day so it wasn't quite the e3 that i was being like being told all about so i was a little bit disappointed <laughs> yeah i people have been like this year because they're so used to seeing how it was in the past i've had people be like oh my god you went to e3 like i would like sell like my left arm to go you know and i'm just telling people don't pay to go to that event like not within the next few years like do not spend money on a pass it is not worth it. I was there for like all of Wednesday and I demoed one game. So it was Dragon Ball Z and I demoed it at 10.05 a.m. after it opened. <laughs> I demoed a, a Peach Beach Splash, guys. I don't know if you've heard about it. <laughs> Dude, I'm so excited for that game. I actually Holy really, really like that game. So. Can, can, you, can I get some explanation? I don't know what this game is. Dude, it's um, the next eSport. Oh, God. I have, no, shooter I have game. no clue what it is. Then it's, <laughs> okay, I actually know what it is. Because I am the full, the full name is called Senran Kagura Peach. <laughs> oh, it's that game. I know exactly and what it is. The Senran Kagura series is very well known for its questionable content and boobies. Oh. I only know it because of your roommate, Mina Lulu, sharing it. Yes. <laughs> We're thoroughly excited, and that was the highlight of my E3 because it was accessible and their booth was beautiful. Cute. Very, awesome very pretty. <laughs> um, so, talking about the booths, was there anyone that any booth that particularly like stood out to you? Was there anything that was really interesting? Um, Wolfenstein Two. Like oh my god, I wanted game? to go in so bad. 
I would have worked or waited in line for like four hours for that, but like I wasn't gonna do that because <laughs> I was only there one day and coworkers. But so they had this booth um, set up like a diner <laughs> from the outside, and like I was only able to peek in. But once you got inside, it was also set up like a diner. So they had the whole counter and they had like separate booths. And then at the booths where you would like order food or sit to eat, they had the PC station set up to demo the game, and it was it was beautiful. I loved it. It was it like that alone made me like want to play the game. I was yeah, so I wasn't I wasn't able to see that. But yeah, I'm looking at the pictures. It it looks pretty cool. I mean, the Nintendo Nintendo just went ham. That's true too. That was amazing. It was literally Nintendo World, so that was super amazing. That I got from just the show floors. It was literally Microsoft everything, and then yeah, Nintendo had a big spot, and then everything else was irrelevant. <laughs> Okay, um, so we're running low on time. Is there any last thoughts that anyone has on E3? Um, games, the event itself, anything that anybody wants to talk about, add, or anything? I think it was pretty good this year. I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of people don't take it in as like a gigantic advertisement because that's what it really is, <laughs> just one giant <laughs> ad. And this year I got enough ads of the things I was excited about that I'm sated for quite a while, excited for Metroid Prime 4 and Nintendo finally getting their heads out of their asses, excited for Wolfenstein, excited for things that come out on the PlayStation, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a good conference overall. I do have to say, aside from, like, Anthem, I know there were a couple others, but I feel like there are very few new IPs coming out, and, like, I'm, like, really hungry to get my hands on, like, an entirely new game. I feel like a lot of them are, like, sequels or, like, rehashes and stuff, which is totally fine because some of these games are great and amazing, and, like, I'm excited to see another, like, Prime game or whatever. But, like, I just really want to see a company come out with, like, be, like, look at this new thing we're making. It's brand new, and it's, like... Anthem was kind of like that, but even people are saying, like, Anthem is <coughs> destiny. So, I don't know. That's just something. Well, do I have a solution I for you? My my <laughs> actual favorite game that I'm super excited for is The Way Out uh, during the EA one. You know, indie developer, I think, made by the people who did A Tale of Two Brothers. I think new IP, new story... It's pushing kind of the boundaries of game mechanics with their co-op split screen kind of style. And oh, I, I'm like that extremely game. excited yeah. for this game. The one with their escaping A from way the out. prison. Yeah, 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 yeah. That looked crazy. Yeah. I, I am excited for that. That does look really good. I mean, it's probably the only new IP that's really anything big. But So you're right in that sense. But man, I am excited for that game. It is my the, yeah, it looks- of the show for sure. That's probably the most unique thing, barring indies. And really, if you're gonna want, if you're gonna want new IPs, stuff like that, you're gonna have to play a lot of indie games because super cool. Triple A, <laughs> games cost so much money. They gotta go with like bets. They have to be safe, and, yeah. And, and even even if they're like trying like new things, like you can kind of see the trends happening in like video games that come out. Like when Dark Souls came out, there are a bunch of like weird Dark Souls kind of like games coming out, like that try to do different things. You know, and then zombie, the same thing happened with, like, zombie games. And 
I think yeah. same things happen with like Doom shooting game, like shooting games that work like Doom, or like you just mow through. It's like I think that's gonna happen soon because the the Doom remake or the Doom did really well, and Wolfenstein did. Really well. I think people are like understanding that, and then Anthem and Destiny and Overwatch and just like first-person shooters in general are like a, a trend of class-based team team fighting. Actually, kind of one more, one more thing I want to talk about. I totally forgot, but um, it's kind of it's relevant to all of us. Uh, so there's this weird, like, forced push for esports that's going on with, with <laughs> Quake a lot Champions of, yeah. esports. So you have Quake Champions, Woo! and then Sony had this weird game where it was like, does anyone remember? Did, did anyone watch the one all the, of it? The, in was the it snow, the one the... right? Yeah, then yeah, the guy was yeah. oh, like the commentator. Then, yeah, the guy was like yelling. Yeah. I was just so confused. So like, are people <laughs> pushing esports too hard? Is esports something that kind of happens on its own, or like, is it good for people to be making games for esports? Like, is this is this a good approach? Is this a bad approach? I feel kind of weird about it because that was kind of off putting. That that particular game for me was pretty off putting. <laughs> um, something think... you can go. I don't think it's a good approach at all. Yeah. You can't force yeah. things to be esports. You can't even force things to be like big. You know, like you can release a game and then, like later on, nobody will remember it. You know, it doesn't matter if you like have a fake esports commentator screaming about your game. During... <laughs> You're not gonna think it's yeah. I can kind of I can kind of piggyback off that. I kind of like what Nintendo was doing with Arms. Um, because Nintendo obviously has never done esports or anything, but there, and a lot of people are saying like Excuse this is Nintendo's yeah, esports push. You watch yourself, okay? <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to well, interrupt. <laughs> okay, even even Splatoon though, the new Splatoon, yeah, yeah. a lot of people are saying these are their their esports pushes, right? But Nintendo is just uh, referring to it as I think um, like competitive play or something. Play with your friends and stuff like that. They have like a Twitter. They made a new Twitter channel, I think. It's Nintendo like, Versus, I think it was, yeah, right? Yeah, something like that. And it's just competitive play. So they're like, we want this to be a competitive game, but like at all levels. So they're encouraging like, yeah, like there could be like professional players and stuff, but like we just want tournaments that like everyone can enjoy and stuff. And I think that's really cool because it opens up the field for people if they want to be competitive, but no one's like, get really good at this game and grind at it because esports, you know? Yeah. It's like giving it like the nurturing to potentially grow, but it's Actually, not that's a really forcing good point. it. They're setting it up. They're not like forcing anything. They're just kind of setting it up for that possibility to be. Yeah. It's yeah. like, hey, if this happens, like this is cool and we'll like be here. But like, if not, just like enjoy the game for what it is. Right. I think that's cool. Uh, yeah. Kind of like release it and ensure that it's going to do well, assuming it's not going to be an esport is what they're doing, you know? Like, but have that possibility there. That's, that's, that's yeah, that's a good approach. That's better than what they did with Melee. <laughs> what, they drop it they hate it. They hate it. <laughs> they hated that it was an eSport. Mm -hmm. I mean, it like, was an eSport because it was poorly made. So why, why, why aren't you buying Smash 4? Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's just about everything I wanted to cover. Thank you all for coming out onto the Thank podcast. Thank you all. Thank you all. Abby's rumming off onto me. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> Abby's not here right now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thank you for spending this sacred one hour with me. It was fun. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's all I got. Uh, all the info that everyone has will be in the description. Uh, and we'll see you all next time. Bye.
Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Esports. <laughs>